Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everybody, to the 95th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Moms, as you know, social media has created a whole new set of problems for parents of teens. I know trying to monitor screen time will bring out the beast in most teens, and that's so draining to deal with day after day. Today, we're going to go deeper and explore the impact of how social media is impacting them specifically addressing this selfie generation and how it's not just about posting selfies, it's directly correlated with how many likes you get. This is a recipe for compulsive posting, anxiety, poor self-esteem with a dash of narcissism. Our guest today is not only a wealth of information, she's offering you a tool to communicate with your teen about the impact of social media and selfies. Kim Lorraine is co-founder of Fresh Independence Productions, a writer, speaker, and advocate for youth and families at risk. She is the director of the award-winning documentary, Selfless. Kim says being a mom of eight has prepared her well and lends authenticity, compassion, and understanding to the challenges families face today. So welcome, Kim. Hi, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> So I've had the pleasure of watching Selfless, the documentary, and it's so good. So I'm going to ask you, Kim, why Selfless? Well, thank you for that. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, well, you know, to be honest, uh, just in my own life, I, I would look around and, and everywhere I did look, I would see heads down, faces not engaged in one another. And it really didn't feel right. And, and it really led me to the questions, um, you know, where are we leading the next generation with this behavior? And ultimately, what are we reaching for? And so we really, my daughter, Megan and myself, um, we worked doing music videos and things like that. So we were already doing a little bit of stuff, but we just thought together, you know, what's happening here. And so we wanted together to try and tackle some of the issues out there. And it was a difficult thing to do because you don't want to focus on doom and gloom because, you know, we need solutions to this. So we just decided to push all the doom and gloom away and create a project which offers hope, you know, for people to navigate this challenging time we are living in. Yeah. Yeah. I think you did a great job of that. Now, how old is your daughter, Megan? Uh, Megan, she just turned 30. So she's, um, as you said in the intro, I'm a mom of eight. And uh, we just seem to have similar interests with this and we work well together. And so it's been great because, you know, she brings a more youthful perspective and, and I bring a mom's perspective. So best of old with the new. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how the film came to be? Tell me about the backstory. Well, you know, again, we started researching, you know, statistics and different things. And we thought, you know, wow, this is 
you know, there's some real issues here with everything going on. And we thought, how can we possibly impact, you know, what we see going on around us? Because technology seems to be consuming everyone at, at every level. And so, uh, again, we, you know, we thought, okay, we're not going to focus on the gloomy parts of this. We, you know, we need to find a way to live with technology, but the difference is we want it to work for us and not the other way around. So we started looking in places where kids were doing positive things. And then we also remembered a little musical duo from off the grid in the hills of Devon, England. They they found us somehow our little music blog we had at the time, you know, their way over there in the middle of nowhere. And somehow the world connected us. They reached out for a little interview. And I know Megan, my daughter, when she heard them, she said, there's just something so special about them. So we just were led to them and we decided to reach out and and see if they might be interested in, you know, just talking about what life is like there because the Warburton family who really are the important part of the story, they they do have Wi-Fi. They have a little box you see in the film they turn off and on. So it's not that they they don't have technology and that it's a very unrealistic way of living. They do, but the difference again is it works for them not the other way around. So what we did is when we were looking uh, how we could possibly get some funding to do this, we put a, a little trailer together and nobody was really interested to take a chance. They, they liked the concept because obviously it's something we're all living, but nobody wanted to take a chance on two girls from a small town who'd never made a full length film before. Would they even finish? So the all time response was, you know, keep us posted what's going on. So where I'm going with this is that you know, we had no funding and we thought, how are we going to get this done? Uh, we live a very normal life here. And so I had a bunch of air miles that I had stashed away from all the groceries and things we'd used to nourish our family. And so I was like, I can, I can use those, cash them in and that'll get us to the places we need to go. So that's what we did. We packed our suitcases, cashed in air miles, and that got us back and forth to England a few times and to all the other places we needed for filming. And, uh, what was pretty amazing about that is having no funding to get this going was it turned out to be a really great blessing. We now had a story that grew purely organically. We had no sticky fingers on it. No one tried to push it a different direction. And uh, it just grew from the people that we had conversations with. So I always say that the power of the human spirit is what we use to fuel this project forward. And uh, today that's true, you know, how we go. But that that's how it came to be is that plunged in with our air miles and just started traveling and found different places. And, you know, people say why the certain subjects that are in there, but um, they were just people that we connected with, you know, it just is like, the stars aligned and, and here we were and it was it seemed to be all the right people to bring a lot of really um, great moments to the film. Oh, that's so fun to hear that because I love loved that family in England. Yeah, you, know, you, yeah. you just get real close to them. And yeah, yeah they're beautiful you, people. Oh my goodness. Yes, literally beautiful people. And and you had such a wonderful contrast of these selfless teens making a difference and then some of the teens that were pulled into kind of this selfie world. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What are some stats that you've learned along the way? Well, you know, when we started researching, as I said earlier, um, what the first thing we learned is depression is 
it's through the roof, you know, it's from when I was a child, it's, it's just crazy how high it is now. And um, anxiety is everywhere you go. And narcissism, you know, everything's about me, 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 me. And that's not healthy for anyone. And I don't think it's intentional. It's just the way things are going when you're constantly gazing into a screen and, and you know, building pages for yourself and uh, trying to build popularity. Uh, but anyways, we, we saw that and then we started to dig a little further and we looked at the, the apps that um, youth and are spending most of their time in. And uh, Instagram, we learned, they put up over 100 billion posts every 24 hours. And then wow. Snapchat, which is like the number one downloaded app that kids are using to communicate on, they put up over 3 billion every day. Wow. And we thought, and now you've got TikTok, which is easily going to surpass those probably as we speak, you know, it, it's really taking off. So we just thought, wow, those numbers are staggering, you know, because that's, if you break it down into increments of time, that's a lot of time spent in these places when perhaps if we took a little bit of that and, and did other things, positive things, we could impact issues going on in the world. So those numbers are staggering, but what we found more alarming was that uh, we discovered four out of 10 of our teenage girls are uploading sexually explicit material to these places. Uh, you know, the camera gets lower and lower as you seek more likes and people are braver behind screens. And that was very concerning because it's not that these are, are bad or risque girls. It's just the way things are going. Everything becomes watered down and more acceptable. And again, like I said, you're very brave behind a screen. And then you flip it around and you look at boys, 98% of them are, you know, that's their, their sexual awakening, you know, seeing all this. And so it really, it takes away from the natural flowering that we experience in life or should experience it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, it, I mean, yeah. truly we are in an epidemic. I mean, this is a real epidemic that's going on around us and people need to wake up, you know, especially us parents and, and help our children, you know, and help ourselves to have more fulfilling lives too, by not being addicted to our screens. Yeah. I wrote down and I might not have written it down right. Was it true that teens will take 25,700 selfies in a lifetime? Yeah, that's what uh, Dr. Dave Curry, the family therapist in the film, he's wonderful. And yeah, that's through the research and the work he's done. That's what he has found. And uh, if you think about someone just trying to capture a picture of themselves, how many you can easily do 70 or 80 pictures just trying to get the, you know, the right one. And when, when we were in some of the schools speaking with uh, young people, they told us that they have to unload their um, albums to be able to hold all the pictures sometimes on a daily basis because they have so many wow yeah, yeah. so can you tell them about the going into the the classrooms and you know you're kind of asking these teens what they what they think and I was especially impacted when you're talking about likes yeah can you talk about that yeah, it's really interesting because uh, when we were filming, we we went into schools of privilege and we went into schools that, you know, had a very high risk, a lot of serious problems going on. But what was really interesting was 
the issue with this wasn't any different in one school or the other, or one setting or the other. It was really the message of loneliness in the social media age. All these young people are feeling very lonely. And so they're trying to self-soothe and they're trying to run this race of uh, likes and popularity. And they're along the way not understanding what does it mean to get a like? Is that something that is, you know, suggesting that you're, you know, doing works of valor and honor or helping your neighbor or, you know, a friend? Um, it's, it's all shallow, hollow things. And, you know, we have to look to where that comes from. You know, they're looking at the celebrities who are running this race faster than anyone with millions and millions of followers. And who are those people and what does it mean? So kids really are. It really does affect them you know I think their mental health too is you know for some they they really rely on on these likes and I I don't know if you remember there was um, a young fellow in the film um, he was from Texas and he he had he was a football star and he was very well balanced and it didn't seem to bother him whether he got 95 or 195 likes so he says, I don't know why everyone's such a buzz about it. So there are exceptions to every rule because it's different personalities, but most teens are struggling to find their identity and they're not finding it in the healthiest way with this because it's so, it sidetracks people so much. Yeah, yeah. it's a real concern. Yeah, yeah. So I remember you talking to the girls in the room. Well, and I've heard other psychologists talk about how this breeds anxiety because you put a picture out there and then you're anxious about what other people are going to think about the picture. And then you have to think about yourself, your exterior beauty. You're putting a floodlight on that. And so if people don't like that, then that breeds the anxiety that brings the depression. Yes. What you had just said, if they start with the face and they're not getting enough likes and getting their self-esteem needs, quote, met by that, then they will start dropping down. That was so yeah. alarming to me. Yeah, that. and and you would think, you know, oh, not my daughter or, you know, what would I even do? You know, it, it really changes people when they get in that thought process, for sure, their decision making and how, how they go about things. But yeah, it's it's just very sad um, to see what's happening. And, you know, it's interesting. I do a lot of workshops and there's one letter that I, we, well, when we went into filming, we had all the kids fill out bios about themselves just to, you know, give us behind the scenes, a little insight into who they are and how, how their lives are. And if they had any concerns they wanted to bring forward privately. And what was very interesting is the bios, even though there were a lot of happy faces and chatter in the classroom, there was so many sad stories. And so kids are hiding a lot of that because everybody wants to have a picture perfect life. And Mm -hmm. so what was interesting was that, um, you know, I want, I want kids to know that if someone likes your picture or whatever, it doesn't mean they, they really know you or what's going on. And we want kids to think about what does popularity really mean? Or what does loneliness really mean? Is, is loneliness just what's happening in your social media? Or is loneliness that person sitting by themselves, you know, in the hallway with no one around? And so yeah, it's just really interesting what's happening. And we need to help kids with that. Yeah, so Loneliness is becoming an epidemic with teens. And I think it is because of that, because of 
so much of their time or relationships are through through the social media. So that, that gets me to the next question. And so what are the realities you are hearing from youth? They do they do feel alone. Like they're they're very disappointed in their their relationships with other people. They, the things that we heard were sort of the same stories, you know, on different days of, you know, feeling let down and again, feeling like people don't really know who you are. And in again, in the bios, there was uh, one girl who talked about how this really cute boy liked her um, and started messaging her. And it got to the thing where, you know, he's like, well, what are you wearing? And she says, oh, just your casual comfy clothes. And he's like, well, you know, he took it to the place that eventually she became sending him naked pictures. And um, she says, I thought that he loved me. And she says, but he didn't, he left. They're not, they're looking for love, but they're not finding real love in these things that are happening. So basically when I, I'm doing workshops and that, I always remind parents that, you know, our, our children can lose a lot and they don't even have to be out on a date in a car fumbling around in the back seat. It, it can happen over these goofy screens. When I was listening to them one day, it was a, this was a group of girls, it was a volleyball girls team and they um, said, you know, they were answering questions and I kept hearing the same thing. And all of a sudden it washed over me. I thought, don't you have expectations? And they just looked at me and one girl finally put up her hand and said, uh, well, we do, but we're never going to get them. Not here, not in this school, not with our, not with the boys around us. So then we said, well, how about raise the bar? And when we said that or, or introduced that thought, that's when the whole momentum changed in the conversation. Everybody started saying, well, yeah, I don't want that. Or you're not just going to drop me off at the curb. You're going to walk me to my door. And so it's no one thinks that they can speak up and say, hey, you know, I don't like what's going on here. So that's what we really want to encourage anyone, but, you know, especially our young people to not be afraid to raise the bar. And, and that's what we're hearing, their frustrations, their loneliness, and nobody really knows what to do about it because they're kind of caught on this path of posting and likes and that sort of thing. Mm, yeah. So what did you learn parenting through three decades of teens? Well, yeah, I've had my, my hands full. Well, my husband and I have had our hands full with everything, but uh, yeah, it's been interesting. I, I always say, um, you know, our oldest, I always worried when he would leave the house. Well, would he try smoking or drinking or doing you know, the usual things that our parents would have worried about. And then I realized when it came to our youngest daughter, I had to worry more about what she might be doing home alone in her room on her screen, you know, mm -hmm. under the confines of what should be a safe place. And so that really was a different set of problems. There's, there's a lot of danger that comes with the internet. Like it, it is a very useful tool if used in the right way, but I realized how dangerous it is if you put that in that perspective is that you know your child can be in more danger home alone in their room and so yeah that that I found to be very yeah nerve-wracking and it's a hard thing for parents that's what I hear from parents all the time is how do I what do I do how you know my child's mad at me if I take their phone away or you know they're constantly trying to keep up with it because as parents we care but you know it's it's hard because when you think about it our kids have the world at their fingertips they can go anywhere and do anything 
and yet they're confined and lonely. And parents were utterly helpless because we don't know what to do and, and how to stay ahead of the game. Yeah. And COVID's not helping. No, no, I know. And it's thrown a whole new mix into it because we've encouraged people to spend, you know, less time on screens. But now we're having to spend more in some ways with just the way we need to communicate and whatnot. And I was also going to say something, too, that's different is you remember back in the day, you know, you didn't want to get out of bed in the morning, the usual teenage, ugh, you know, just tired and, and whatnot, just hormones and growing. Well, now you, our kids, they're not getting the restorative sleep that they need because they're mm. sleeping with their devices in their room and there's notifications going off all the time. And I often tell the story of even my own son. He says, I need it for my alarm clock. And I'm like, no, you don't. But he says he does. So he puts it on his wooden headboard and I can hear it vibrating in my room. He pretty much sleeps through everything, but he's still getting his sleep disturbed. And I know I'm getting mine disturbed too. So (laughs) they're not getting that restorative sleep and that doesn't help for brain function, your emotions, everything. So, you know, we're up against that as well. And yeah, it's a not a good thing to have devices in the bedroom for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is really good. Uh, You're making such a good point because the first generation to have to kind of really deal with this. And like, yeah. you're right, that the mindset of, I've just got to keep my kids home, they're grounded, you know, grounded, so they're quote safe, but they're not. Yeah. You make a really good point. We don't think of them not safe in our homes, but you're yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, and look in so many homes, if you're not aware, we can be on our screens working, doing whatever. And there's such division in families now because they're, they can all be in the same room and all be in a different place because they're doing, they're somewhere else on their screen. And the other thing is, as parents don't stop to think about often enough is what is your child being fed through that screen? Because there's all the algorithms and, you know, everything's coming to them. They, they think they have all this freedom, but they're being fed whatever this place up top wants them to wants them to know. So it's it is a scary thing. They have control of our kids, whoever they is, the you know, the big big tech people, they have control of of what our children are being fed. And there's no possible way to keep up with what they're they're Googling, you know, so it, it really is something we need to be aware of. Yeah, yeah. So what is your greatest concern? Well, as I said, the first thing that always pops to mind is division of family, because, you know, if if you crumble the family unit, you know, your country, that's the best way to take it down, right? So, I mean, we need to, to fight for our families and our communication. That should be number one together. And that's what we really loved about the Warburtons is they look to one another for connection. And that felt really good. And, uh, we were doing some interviews over in the UK and, and they'd, you know, Simeon, the father had heard me say that. And he says, you know, he really questioned how we saw them. But so I think it was kind of nice for him to hear the success their family was having, at least from an outward appearance, but they all seem to be flourishing. So I, I really like that. But the other thing that I often talk about is I feel this was a story placed on my heart to find wings to fly. And I think I was chosen to do this story because it just sort of found me and, you know, it wouldn't leave me and I couldn't rest until, you know, I had done this. And uh, that's probably the gift that was born in me. I love writing. You know, I'm, I have this love for film and music that I think the soundtrack's beautiful in the film. It is. Um, So I always fear that 
our children or even other people. I mean, I started this at a a later age. I mean, I raised my family and then I, I started to do this is that they'll miss that gift inside of them that's waiting to shine light on the world. Mm -hmm. I I believe that that's what the world is thirsty for. And, you know, we're in these screens and and looking for something, something, something to self-soothe. But, you know, when you let that gift out, and so I say, you know, head up, heart strong, we're, we're over these screens. Let's open our arms up wide and embrace the world. See what's happening out there. Let your gift shine. And that's what I really do worry is that kids will not not lock into those gifts that were born into them. And one quick story is we were in Washington, D.C. with the film. And on a bit of downtime, we went into the Smithsonian Museum of History. And I really enjoyed seeing all the handwritten letters from past presidents on the walls and, you know, just reading their visions and their hopes. And it really struck me at the time is very soon, if not already, our children will not be able to read these letters, let alone write them themselves. Because cursive writing has been taken out of the schools now, at least here in Canada, it has. They don't, the children Mm -hmm. don't learn to um, write. And so much is going to tablet, heart to hand type of thing is it's losing something with the technology. So really what I, I like to tell teachers when we're at conferences and that is I think that our children should be able to do it themselves first. You know, in those very primary years, get those really solid basic skills. And, and then as they grow older and, and continue with studies, the internet, you know, screens are an amazing tool to be able to have to keep up with the rest of the world. But I fight for that all the time. I, I realize that I want my children to be able to write a letter, put a stamp on it, address it, put it in the mailbox. If the world crashes, I can hear from them some way, you know. So it's <laughs> like, I, I just feel very strongly about that. And I think that's something that, you know, people think it's, really cool to have screens and all this but and it is a good thing but in the right place the right time and place for things so I can do it myself first I think that's that builds esteem too you know kids feel good when they can do things and not just have this one track mind and a computer leading you wherever let's do it ourselves first let's let's write the story and use the you know whatever to get it out there but um do it yourself first. And I think that will take children a long ways in their life. It's a foundation you cannot take away from them. And we noticed it wasn't in the film, but we filmed in a school in Staten Island and it was a really remarkable teacher. And so I used the footage in workshops. There's stuff that we just couldn't get everything in the film, but he was wonderful with the kids. It was a very troubled school, a very yeah, a very high risk group of grade fives. So they're kind of on the cusp of which direction will they go in life. So this teacher, he was their music teacher, and they did a lot of singing and whatnot. And you could see how that gift helped the children to fuel some of the pain that they had into positive things. And so I think when you build kids up from the inside that way, help them engage that gift that's within, have people that, you know, let's really listen to the people around us. We've lost that connection. So we're not, we might think we're listening, but sometimes we aren't really like, what is that to just sit face to face, have a conversation, just the gift of human touch to be able to, you know, lay your hand on someone's shoulder to feel that we were losing the gift of human touch. And when I watched there was a little girl in there. Her sister had been killed. She talked about how she sang at her funeral and the tears flowed. And 
And it just was heartbreaking, but at the same time, I could see how healing it was for her. So when we have a lot of people, young people that that have issues, haven't maybe grown up in the you know loving homes that we have, they're lost. But you, everything you need, I believe, is inside of you. So we can reach out to those young people by helping them engage the gifts within. It's a great tool, and it goes with them wherever they go. When they're making decisions in life, they have that with them. You know, it's right there. They don't got to fire it up and look for it or Google it. It's there engaged within them. Yeah, believe in yourself first. And I think it's a great gift we can give our young people. I love that. Would you say that is like one of the main points of the movie? Our goal from the very start was, you know that, you're not going to change the whole world or, you know, you're not, not everybody's going to listen, but we just wanted to challenge people or light them up to look up for a moment and be more present in the moment because one of the characters or subjects in there, uh, Kira, she had been fighting childhood cancer and she realized that she wasn't fighting for popularity with her friends on social media. She was fighting for her life. So it didn't take her very long to really get to the basics of and important things in life. And so Kira was a real inspiration for that was, you know, let's be present in the moment that, you know, this day may never pass again. Again. And so that really has been our hope. And we got our points across, I feel, and we didn't have to expose anyone saying, oh, have a girl in bikinis and scantily clad. We, we, we chose to go the route of trying to light up the heart. So we came in through the back door. And I always say, you know, that we're in addiction with our screens. So heads are down, Nobody's a bad person, but it's really hard for them to look up. There's that ping ping and it draws you in. So heads are just down. And so I thought, okay, let's tell a story that lights up the heart. So all of a sudden they're watching and they starburst goes off and they look up for a moment because they're like, whoa. And then I say, okay, now we have their attention for a moment now let's start talking, you know, let's have a conversation about what's going on. And that's the only way we will break the addiction. I mean, we can lock our kids up and everything, but they're, they're out of step with life then, right? You know, we can deny them any access to technology, lock them in their rooms, but that's not healthy either. This is the way life's going. I don't think you should give your child a cell phone at a young age. I think that's something that they should grow into. And it's like, I, I tell parents too, is when your child is ready for their license, you don't just throw them the keys and say, hey, go for it. You know, a car is like a weapon. And so we have to use the internet the same way. It's something that we have to learn to use responsibly, safely, and then it can do amazing things for us. So um, yeah. people are always looking for, okay, what's the solution? But it's constant positive choices, you know, but when you're in the throes of addiction, you're not always making the right choices because you're kind of locked in. But, you know, when you look up and you engage people and I still believe go in at the heart, you know, and and light them up that way. And yeah, you have a chance anyways. Well, you did a great job in the film of doing that. It was so powerful when you see these positive stories in your film and then you see these snapshots of addiction as these kids are talking, you, you see the contrast, you see the, the loss of heart. One of the things that I was struck with in the, in the movie is all these kids are trying to get likes and feel better about themselves. Yeah. And the way to feel better about yourself is through real connection and, like you said, finding your own gifts 
and giving yourself away that's which is the title of your documentary selfless yeah well, that's that's something uh, you hit the nail on the head is uh, Patricia, one of the subjects in there, she was suicidal. You know, she'd had bullying and she really just states that she doesn't, you know, was at a point where she didn't want to be here anymore. And she discovered uh, service work and, and different initiatives that she got involved in. And she continues to do that today. And she also is an avid writer. She's able to express, she journals, she does a lot of poetry, spoken word. It shows those things, that gift of, you know, engaging your thoughts in, within you and sharing them with others. And she says, this is what continues to save me today. And that's where our theme, we have some key messages. And happiness is found helping others is probably the most therapeutic one because that's what life's all about when you step outside of yourself that's when you begin to heal and uh, that's what we really loved about patricia she portrayed that that it's not all about ourselves the universe doesn't revolve around us that you know we can look at life in a different way when we think of others before ourselves and yes definitely selfless yes oh my gosh any other advice that you'd like to pass along to parents of teens well, one thing, if I can say anything, is it's tough. I mean, I've walked all this. I've had my own issues being too much on my screens. I mean, you know, editing and doing things, it's, you know, it takes a lot of time and you have to find that balance. And our kids are watching what we're doing. So if I can say anything is you need to lead by example. In the film, you see uh, one of the fellows talk about how, he's at the dinner table and he's trying to connect with his family. And he says, his parents are on old fashioned Facebook, he calls it. Uh -huh. And then, you know, his siblings are on YouTube watching videos. And he says, I'm sitting here trying to connect with you all. And so, you know, we don't even realize, again, we're, we're not out to harm our children or take time away from them, but it just is happening. So I think parents need to really be aware of their own actions, even uh, the physiotherapist in the film, he talked to me about how, you know, at home, he's he's answering work emails on his phone. But he says, my daughters don't know if dad's playing on the phone or is he working? They don't know. So we need to make that conscious effort to, to put our own screens away. And something even with... I know we're, we're talking more about teens, but it starts right back when our kids are little, if there's any with youngers listening, is that every moment parents are documenting because they, we love our children and we want to remember all these things. But kids very quickly come to remember or think about the fact that I am the center of the universe. Everybody loves me and everything's about me. I mean, I've watched my own granddaughter at a very young age, you know, look, oh, wants to look at the screen, what you just took and knows how to flip through. And I'm like, gosh, she's, she can barely talk and she knows to flip the screen. Mm. So I just think parents, so much falls upon us as if we don't have enough already. <laughs> but, you know, this real beast that we're up against, um, it is really calling us to, you know, hold the line and stand tall because we're the only protection our children have from this. So, and again, I think if we lead by example and, you know, keep the conversation going, and I don't believe that social media is even something that should be in middle school. I think those are things, high school's hard enough, but, you know, kids are going to get at it. And it's very conscious effort you have to, to make to do those things and, and to really understand what this kind of peer pressure that our kids are up against, you know? 
and yeah. there's predators there too, you know, and it can just be simple boys that are just, I mean, think about how this isn't picking on boys, but think about how easy it is for them now. You know, if they wanted to see something, they would have had to work very hard to do that back in the day. It's very easy for them now, and that's not good for them, and it's not good for our daughters. Yeah, be aware for sure. Yeah. Wow. This is so great. So I'm sure the parents who are listening would love to see this documentary you're talking about. How So how could they see it? Well, you're talking to me on the right day. We've, we've worked very hard to try and make this available to people. And today it's now released on Amazon. You can get it at Walmart, Best Buy, iTunes. You can go to our website, selflessmovie.com, and you'll see links on the front of the page. And uh, they're being placed there now as we speak. And yeah, you can you can rent or you can own it. And like I said, we do workshops and and things like that. If if people are interested in that, it's we just want to get the conversation going. And and I think one of the number one comments I hear after someone has had a viewing of selfless is, "Wow, I never expected to feel that way." You know, I and so many people hear you've made a film and they think, "Ah, yeah, you know, a film," and then they all always watch and they go, wow, I didn't know it was going to be that because we put our all into it. We had a really beautiful cinematographer, Nick Hamer, who he really encouraged us to shoot it in 4K. So it's it's a really beautiful viewing experience. And, you know, something I'll share with, with the people listening is this was our first feature length film and we're different filmmakers than we are now. So we hope the next project will even be more beautiful. <laughs> but we made mistakes along the way, and those were really tough to look at up on the editing board when we got to that phase, and we thought, oh my gosh. And then, you know, we came to realize we, we can't give up. We have to keep going because these are key moments in the film, and so we just tell people that selfless is a film that's imperfectly perfect, much like <laughs> life itself. We shouldn't be putting a filter on our lives. And even mistakes are an important part of your story, as long as you learn along the way, learning as you grow. And we believe the mistakes that we made are what make selfless whole. Your hearts are thirsty for this. They, they want things that are real life and things they can connect to. We hope that people will look up, be more present in the moment because life is precious and you don't want to miss it. Uh, well, I do. I encourage you, all the moms listening, this would be an amazing thing to watch with your family. And like, uh, like Kim said, it's not a downer. It's a beautiful filmed movie. And it's, it would be a great way to have a conversation about social media. So I really would recommend it. So they could rent it where? Where could they rent it? Uh, on the website, um, you can go to iTunes and Apple. They just sent me all the links today, but uh, it, it is on the front of the website. If they go to selflessmovie.com, they'll be able to click in right there and make some choices. Yay! And then we also have two um, that are just coming out now um, because even though this was, sh uh, you know, this project was shot and created for teens and parents, how important it is to get this conversation going for our younger children in their formative years. So we have a whole picture book series with five key messages from the film there as well. And uh, it's a great way for parents to start talking with their children about some of these things going on in at a level that is suitable for them. So there's something in this project for everyone from young children to grandparents. So yeah, we're proud of that's, it. 
That's so awesome. So all you moms who have watched every single thing on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and everything else, watch this. This is something that you would really, really enjoy. Thank you so much, Colleen. So Kim, I really appreciate your time and it's so great to visit with you. I loved your movie. I love the message of it. I completely agree with you. I will remember head up, heart strong and what lights up your heart. Yeah, that's definitely right. Thank you so much for having me. I always love to share about uh, our journey with Selfless and and it continues. And I, I just feel so pleased that it's found its way to you and your listeners. And uh, I'm always here if anyone has any things they'd like to reach out about, the, our emails on the website. So I always like to hear from people and their stories and, and how the project's impacting and inspiring them to uh, be more selfless. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colleen. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.